the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the word to stand on for life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The word sharper than any two-edged sword. And it cuts deep into my heart. The word to stand on for life is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel in San Antonio. A live call-in show here to help you answer your questions about the Bible and how to apply the word to your daily life. For more information on Calvary Chapel, visit our website, calvarysa.com. Get your Bible questions ready and call in now to 210-340-9585. It's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome to the program. I'm Ron Arbaugh, the pastor of Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas. And you're listening to the Word to Stand On for Life, a program dedicated to taking your phone calls and answering Bible questions, life questions, anything at all that's on your heart. We'll do the best that we can. And all you have to do is call us. You can dial us at 210-340-9585. That's 340-9585. If you're outside the local area here in San Antonio, you can call toll-free at 877-630-KSLR. Numerically, that's 630-5757. You can email your questions by emailing questions at calvarysa.com or you can send them in via our free Calvary Chapel mobile app. If you're driving in your car, the safest way to call is use the free KSLR mobile app. Hit call now. You'll be connected directly to our studio producer. Hey, because it's Wednesday, a couple of things. I'm doing a special message tonight, sort of preparing our church body for um, to, to go into the new year. You know, we're always looking at the end of one year. We want to make next year our most Jesus year. We want to do better and be closer to the Lord, all those things. And we're sort of against New Year's resolutions and things like that. So um, what we're going to do is is hopefully help people transition uh, from 2018 into 2019 with sort of an idea how to plan to be walking with Jesus. So I'm going to be in the first 14 verses of Second Second Kings, rather, chapter two, and that's what we're going to be doing here, and it also is obvious, I hope by now, that tomorrow uh, Paula will be live in the studio with us on the date day edition of the program, and ladies, it's the one day that we set aside especially for you, so if you have any questions or need any encouragement from Paula, she will be here tomorrow. One more time, and then we'll get started, 340-9585. Here is our first question. This one comes uh, from our, where did it go, where did it go? There it is, Uh, from our email inbox. This one is from David. Uh, He says, hi, Um, I currently attend CCSA, but I'm still kind of new. David, you need to introduce yourself to me. Uh, So I don't have any pastor's phone numbers or anything yet, so this is why I'm emailing. I'm looking for a reputable, very in-depth study of Daniel. I've been searching online, but I'm not sure which authors I can trust. Can you suggest a good book or Point me in the right direction, and then he says, thanks. Daniel, please, or David, rather, please come and introduce yourself to me so I know who you are. It's one of the problems having a lot of people in a church. You don't get to, to, to look people in the eye and get to see them. And uh, I need you to get close because I'm blind, and I need to be able to see you really, really close to recognize your face. So I'd love to meet you, David. Yeah, I have a lot of suggestions, so get a piece of paper ready. Uh, the one thing I can tell you, and I'm not, uh, I don't sell anything, so I'm not promoting uh, anything, but 
Uh, I have a full commentary that I've written on the book of Daniel. Um, I think those notes are all posted online, but if not, we could certainly send them to you in some format. I don't know what formats are, but I'm sure we could get it for you. So if you have an interest, uh, David, we'd love to be able to provide that for you free of charge. Um, but let me make some suggestions because there's some really, really good ones. Um, John Walvoord, W-A-L-V-O-O-R-D, uh, who, who seems to sort of specialize in eschatology, uh, his uh, is really, really good. So John Walvoord, John A. Walvoord is his name. Another one that sort of specializes in eschatology is Dwight J. Pentecost. How cool a name is that for a Christian author? Um, uh, and his is a timeless work. Uh, I like the work done by Sinclair Ferguson very much as well. Uh, a book that uh, I, I hope it's still in print. You could, I'm sure you could get it from David Hawking's ministry, but it's called Dare to Be a Daniel by David Hawking. It's not an in-depth one as much as it is uh, an application-oriented one, and, and uh, it's a paperback. Uh, and then I also like Harry Ironside, or H.A. Ironside, and uh, I'm not sure if the New International Commentary series, I know they're doing some Old Testament stuff now, but I'm not sure uh, if they have uh, one on Daniel yet, and I don't know who the author would be, but if you would Google New International Commentary Series on Daniel, you get that. And I imagine Daniel would be one of the very first books, David, uh, that, that they would include. So um, any of those are very trustworthy. Uh, there's an old standby, again, not an in-depth one, but uh, really an insightful one. There is a uh, um, Old Testament commentary series by Warren Wearsby, W-E-I-R-S-B-E, uh, and his stuff is always really good as well. So I hope that helps, David. I look forward to meeting you. Um, thank you for sending the question in. Here is a question from... Ray, he says, can you talk about the value of resting one full day per week, and what is the best way to observe the Sabbath? Ray, I'm going to point you in a New Testament direction here. Um, the Sabbath isn't one day. For Christians, Paul writes to the churches in Colossae, that, that every day is a Sabbath. We, we have the opportunity to serve the Lord every single day. And the Sabbath was a day for man to commune with God. And because of the Holy Spirit living in us, we have the privilege and the honor of doing that every day, something that a Jew would never be able to conceptualize. So um, we observe the Sabbath, and I know people think this is too simplistic. It's really not. Just be with Jesus. If you're with Jesus, you are observing the Sabbath. It's not about what we can do. It's not about fasting. It's not about praying. It's just being with Jesus. And if you'll be with Jesus, um, you can't help but to observe the Sabbath. Jesus, Hebrews 4 says, is our Sabbath rest. Now, the first part of your question, the value of resting one full day per week, I believe personally is essential. Now, I have always been sort of a workaholic. So uh, I, I learned these things the hard way. Um, but Ray, my brain gets scrambled if I get too tired. Um, if, if I don't take some time just away from the routine of study or, or teaching, whatever I do. So we really work hard, Paul and I do, to keep a day to ourselves. Now, it used to be much easier now with the radio program. Our day is, is Thursday that we take as our date day. And um, uh, now, of course, we come in to do the radio program. Uh, but beyond that, we're, we're pretty much just hanging out with each other and hanging out with Jesus. And if you'll do that, uh, you're going to find the benefit of physical rest. The, the man or the woman that is constantly on the go, that is constantly under pressure, um, is always going to find um, that, that eventually we run out of gas. I think the, the model given um, with, with the first week of creation on the seventh day he rested. He didn't rest because he needed it. He rested because he was setting an example, knowing what's best for us. We can take this one step farther, Ray, and in, uh, uh, under the law, God commanded that even the land gets a rest. The animals get a rest. When we're rested, and this was a, an 
uh, unheard of idea in the ancient world. People worked till they dropped. God's the first one who came along and said, rest one day. So I think the value of rest is pretty significant. So Ray, I hope that helps. 340-9585, let's go to the phones and talk with um, Jimmy on line one. Jimmy, thanks for holding. You're on the air. Hi, can you hear me? I can hear you well. Thank you. Okay. Um, where's, um, where's, it, where's it in the scripture? Is, is there a scripture that says that God helps those who help themselves? <laughs> Jimmy, I'll tell you what. You look for that for about a week, 24 hours a day. Well, you'll never find to, it. <laughs> it, it, it. The only thing I could find something was something in Thessalonians or something. Because I Googled it, but yeah, that's how I, I, I find scriptures. Because, um, but I was like, um, and, and then I, I, I highlight them. But I was like, my, my neighbor was talking to me. He says, well, God helps those who help themselves. And I said, i never seen that in the scriptures. I don't know where that's at. I'll look for it. He said, no, that's where it is. And I said, I don't think so. <laughs> Jimmy, not only is it not in the scriptures, it's antithetical to everything the Bible teaches. God helps those who rely on him for help. And that um, old God helps those who help themselves refrain has always been uttered by people who simply don't want to surrender and give their lives to God. They want to keep control. They want to take matters into their own hands when the reality is they want to do what they want instead of considering what God wants. So um, that that is not a scripture. It is, as I said, antithetical to what the Bible teaches. Uh, so be careful of, of that guy. Tell him what you, what you can do is you say, you know what, you find that, I'll give you $1,000. You find that in the Bible, and I'll give you 1000 bucks. And, and my, my, the method to my madness there is to do something to get this guy who obviously knows nothing about the Bible to get him into the Word of God. Does that help? Yeah. Yes, sir. Hey, I, I enjoyed the uh, Christmas dinner, but hopefully next year my family comes. I felt kind of lonely, oh. but I hope my family comes next year. Jimmy, I thought I saw everybody. I didn't see you at the Christmas dinner. Yeah, I was there. Uh, you and Paula were going around the tables saying hello to everybody. Oh, okay. Good. Well, yeah. sorry we missed you. Hey, hang on. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say one other thing to you. Uh, you can get it on the air. It's not personal. I'm not scolding you, but this is important for everybody. Okay? Okay. Okay, Jimmy. Thank you. Uh, Jimmy made the comment in that call that uh, he googled something to find where a scripture is. Christians don't do that. Turn pages. Turn pages. We got to learn where stuff is. And and when you're a new Christian, everybody understands that. Uh, well, I don't know where it is. You know, I don't know where Ephesians is. I didn't even know there was an Ephesians. But the only way that you're going to get a a useful understanding of the Bible and how to find information is to turn pages. There's no other method that's going to work. And if we rely on the shortcuts that we've been given today, then what we're doing is we're, we're eliminating the need to be in the Word of God. I said this in the program to somebody uh, with a similar question yesterday, and I realize this isn't Jimmy's question, but it just kind of struck a nerve. As Christians, our responsibility is to dig in and find out who our Jesus is. We know him well enough to be saved by him. But if he's got the power to save you, don't you want to get to know him infinitely better? Don't you want to get to know him so well that, that you can recognize his voice when he's speaking to your heart, that you'll know in an instant what he wants you to do when a decision comes to, to mind or, 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 or a choice has to be made? And the only way we can do that is to invest time in the Word. So for everybody out there, be students of your Bible, not just casual observers or readers of the Word, but be students of your Bible and turn pages with your fingers. There's nothing better than getting a brand new Bible, you know, where the pages are all stuck together. 
There's nothing better than getting the, the, the oil from your skin on those pages so that the pages turn more easily. And then you start marking those pages and highlighting those pages. And then what you find out is, yeah, I know where that is. I highlighted that. And you'll start looking for things. And I promise you the Holy Spirit will work in ways that you can, can't even begin to imagine now. So turn pages. Did you hear that, Jimmy? Yes, I'm still here. Can you hear me? Yep, I can hear you. Yes, sir. I, I, I will promise to do that. Okay, buddy. God bless you. 340-9585 for your live calls and questions. Here's a question from Adam. Uh, he says, I don't think many churches are impacting their communities what do you think the role of the local church should be? Wow, that's a vast question, Adam. Uh, I would agree that not a lot of churches are impacting their communities uh, the way the body of Christ uh, ought to. Jesus said that we're to be salt and light in the ancient world. Salt was a preserving agent. Light, of course, uh, you can imagine how dark it was with no electrical lights and people only had candles and torches and stuff. Um, uh, and we're supposed to be salt and light in our communities. Uh, so um, I, I agree with that assessment. So the role of the church, the local church, and everybody needs to belong. If you're a Christian, you need to belong to a local church. You need to go to a church where you can serve, uh, where you can grow uh, in your faith, grow in the knowledge of God and in the knowledge of God's will for your life. Uh, all those things happen in a local church. Now the church itself, and this is something that's hard to explain, Adam. Um, God has a plan for every church and every church's plan is different. Uh, I think it's incumbent upon the leadership of a church to find out what God's plan is. You know, a church that says, well, we're interested in social justice matters, or we're interested in equality, or whatever those things might be. Um, it doesn't matter what we're interested in. What's God's plan for our church? And then we pursue that, and we get people walking together um, uh, in agreement, following after that plan. God brings people who are gifted. I had a great conversation, Adam, yesterday with a man... Uh, at the gym, uh, was in the locker room after the workout, and um, he was he was saying, "So wait a minute, all, all your teachers over there come from your church?" And I said, "Yes." And he says, "Well, how did you ever collect that kind of 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 staff? You know, to, to come to your church enough to to do a whole school?" And I said, "Well, we didn't do anything. We just followed God's plan." And God brought the people to do the work. The same thing is true. God's plan for our church here at Calvary Chapel is to give everything away so everything is free. We have a free school. It costs us a lot of money. Uh, we have a free doctor's office, family practice doctor's office. God, we just did the work. We just took the step of faith and followed the vision. God brought the people around. Uh, Dr. Peter and Dr. Sheba, who have been here now for, gosh, a long time, when they first got here, they had no intention of staying here. They were residents in, in, in a hospital locally, and they, they, this was just where they got placed. And they had no intention of staying in San Antonio. Uh, they're both from the east. Uh, I mean, they're, they're, they're Indians from the east-east, but, but both them were raised in one in New York and one in Philadelphia. Uh, but 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 God brought them here, and while they were here, He touched their heart, and this is where they stayed. The same thing has happened with our nursing staff, with our pediatrician uh, at the clinic, with our with our nutritionist. God brings the people. So if you're doing what God wants you to do as a church, He'll bring the people who will provide the man and the woman power to do that work. So I don't think, Adam, there should be one defined role for the local church. I think instead of going after our pet projects or, or you know, our church supports missionaries or our church supports schools or our church this or our church that, I think it's incumbent on the leadership, incumbent upon the leadership of every church to say, God, what do you want us to do? I would never have picked 
this direction for Calvary Chapel of San Antonio. Um, one thing, Adam, that I understood from the very beginning, um, from the day I gave my life to Jesus, was that he was in charge, which meant he had authority in my life. I had no authority. So to do what I want to do or to do what seems right to me or to do what's easiest, it never occurred to me because I realized that I didn't get a vote, that I had to do what Jesus told me to do. And when Jesus started sort of unwrapping this vision he had for doing things for free, honestly, Adam, we're a poor church. Um, if, if, if we got a little bit of money in our bank account, I mean very, very little, uh, as long as we're above the break even, we feel like, wow, that's a blessing. Um, it's not an easy way to run a church. Uh, we can't budget because we, we spend more than we bring in. Uh, if you do the math, it doesn't make sense. But God, again, brings people who become very, very generous. They've bought onto the vision. They've seen the work that God is doing, and they want to be a part of it. So I don't think the, the, the role of the church ought to be what we think it should be. You know, let's go feed the poor. Let's go do this. You do what God tells you to do. And if your leadership is seeking the will of God, then I promise you the Lord will bring people around who will support that vision. We still, by the way, Adam, have a whole bunch of vision that is as yet unfulfilled, waiting for that time. You may have heard this on a previous broadcast, but, but from the time that we had... Um, uh, the vision uh, for for the, the medical clinic, as an example, um, uh, it was actually 12 years before we broke ground um, for the medical clinic. 12 years. God dictated the timing. All we had to do is get started in the process. On the other hand, when we started the free school way back in 2000, um, um, we just it, we knew God wanted us to do it. We just did it, and we did it slowly. We did grades K through six the first year, K through seven the next year, K through eight the next year. We just kept adding a grade, and and you know it was we had thirty one students, if I recall correctly, in our very first uh, um, year of school. And now we're maxed out. We've got one hundred thirty five students and can't fit anybody else in. And God hasn't seen fit to give us a new building or anything, so we can we can add more. But um, um, uh, again, I don't think we should look for a role. I think we should, with all of our heart, by the power of the Holy Spirit, seek out the role uh, that Jesus has established for us. And then when we're done, um, we're going to all get to heaven. We're going to find out what a wonderful work God did. And by the way, one other thing. For the churches now, the young people are, are interested in uh, social justice, the sex trafficking uh, um, um, issues that we have in our, our world, uh, the environment, all those things. We need to find a church that, that goes with that. Uh, you know what? When you're doing what God wants you to do, he'll take care of those other issues. Social justice, we're feeding the poor. We're providing medical care for the poor. We're providing free school, a, a wonderful quality education for families that can't possibly afford it. Always amazes me that other churches charge their people money to have them go to school and tell them about Jesus and teach them how to read, write, and do math and prepare them for their lives ahead. I think God is a lot more generous than we give him credit for. Okay, where are we? I got carried away. We're a little over two minutes. Let me give a two-minute question. Uh, is there such a thing? This is from Rebecca. Is there such a thing as a just war? Uh, Rebecca, yeah, there are things worth fighting for. Uh, you can go into the Old Testament and you find out that the campaigns that God sent Israel on uh, when they came into the Promised Land was a just war. It was a, a war where God's judgment was being executed on people who had been given hundreds of years worth of chances to repent and turn to God. The God they knew was real but refused to respond to. So yeah, there is such a thing as a just war. Um, you know, there are Christians who think that 
because God is a God of love. There's never anything to do. We should never have anything to do with war. There are people that are committed to pacifism. Um, you won't find those concepts in the Bible at all. Uh, they're emotional sentiments. They feel good. Uh, but the truth is, uh, there are things that are worth fighting for. Jesus, you remember, told his disciples um, when he was getting ready to go, he said, look, until now I've cared for you, you haven't needed a thing, but now that I'm going to my father, um, you're going to need to buy stuff. So take a bag with you. Uh, you're going to need uh, to go buy a sword. If you've got some money, go buy a sword, because now there's going to be a fight on your hands. So you've got to do those things. Um, same thing is true in the life of a Christian today. Uh, Rebecca, our uh, men and women who are serving in our military. We have many, 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 many wonderful Christian people uh, who are serving in the military. Um, they are serving their country. Uh, they're doing so with the blessing of God. That doesn't mean the United States is the only nation God loves. I don't mean to imply that at all. But um, the idea of a just war uh, is found in the pages of Scripture. We've got 30 minutes left in the program today. We'd love your live calls, 340-9585 or toll-free, 877-630-KSLR. You're listening to The Word to Stand Up for Life. We'll be back in two minutes. To the word to stand on for life. We're taking your calls at 340-9585 or toll-free 877-630-KSLR. Now, here's Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome back to the program. We have 30 minutes left to answer your most important questions. Let me go to a question that was sent in. This is the one I thought I could do in two minutes. And oh, no, no way. Uh, this one is from Ralph. He said, Pastor Ron, what's the most surprising thing you've dealt with in ministry? And what would you do differently now than at the beginning? That is a, a really difficult question. Um, I think, Ralph, um, and, and here's, uh, maybe I'll tie these two questions in together. But uh, I think at the beginning, um, I expected that people who said they were Christians would want to actually obey Jesus. And what is the most surprising thing to me, I think over our 23 and a half years here, has been uh, the ease with which Christians sin, um, their refusal to um, not only surrender to the Lord, but to die to their flesh, or even see the value or the need of dying to flesh. It's almost like everything Jesus talks is theory. So I think the most surprising thing for me is um, the, the lack of true, genuine commitment to serving Jesus, following Jesus, and being obedient to Jesus. Um, and, and, and that's not changed in all the years uh, that we've been here. You know, uh, Ralph, that's one of the reasons that uh, I think Jesus, when he was um, preaching so often in his ministry during the Gospels, he would say, um, if you have ears, use them to hear. If you have eyes, use them to see. Um, the, the same thing has always been true. So that's the most surprising. It is also one of the most painful because we then have to live with the consequences um, that they eventually are going to have to deal with. Um, what would I do differently now that at the beginning, I said, uh, try to tie these two things together. I think uh, if, if I could go back until 23 and a half year ago, Pastor on just getting started, um, I would say have no expectations at all. Uh, in terms of, of stuff that I would do differently, I wouldn't teach any differently. Uh, we wouldn't govern our church any differently. There isn't anything that we would do uh, structurally or organizationally differently. Um, but uh, I certainly uh, would not want to have the expectations uh, of people that I had at the beginning. I think when people would want to quit on the Lord or, or fall away from the Lord, uh, I think I would continue to be as direct with them as I always have. 
but I, I don't think I would bear any responsibility or take any responsibility to change him. So I guess, Ralph, that's the best I can do with that. Uh, let's go to Matthew calling from Denver, Colorado on line two. Matthew, thanks for calling. I bet it's colder there than it is here. Oh, it's not too bad. Uh, okay. It probably is colder, though, yeah, but it's it's, it's not that bad. <laughs> uh, so I have a, a question, um, I, a bit of a, not to make it too long of a question, anyway. Um, I uh, injured my back about three months ago, and uh, I have my own plumbing business, and um, I guess I was kind of studying Genesis along with this, and I, it just felt like God was telling me I need to do something else. But I have no idea what, and I guess the question is, is how do I know what God is asking me to do or what I should do with my life and career? Okay. Just out of curiosity, Matthew, was it by any chance, any chance at all that you were in Matthew chapter 39? I mean Genesis chapter uh, 39. 39? Um, yes. That was a couple of weeks ago. Um, okay. Yeah, I, I've studied that, and let me think what what it is though. Uh, right, but go ahead. What do you actually? No, I, I'm not there yet. I'm in 35 right now. I'm sorry. Okay. I, actually, actually, I told you the the wrong um, the wrong chapter. Um, okay. Uh, the chapter with 39, I know why I always default to that. Uh, this is the chapter where uh, uh, Jacob was, um, had the, the spotted goats and, 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 and he'd found mm -hmm. favor with Laban, but then Laban. So that chapter, maybe chapter 31, I'm doing this from memory. But um, um, that's a chapter I'd have you read. Um, if if I've, I've always found that God will use that passage of Scripture. When somebody comes to me and says, you know, I'm thinking about changing f career fields or I'm thinking about changing jobs, um, you know, things used to go really well, but, but I'm finding myself running into to different walls or conditions, or in, in your case, somebody's got some physical issues. Um, I have them read that chapter, and I think it's chapter 31. Um, it is, no, 37, I'm sorry, 37, I'm looking at it right now. So chapter 37, read that, and I believe, uh, Matthew, that the Lord will speak to your heart. And, okay. and once, he, once he does, then um, uh, that's, that's when we have to take a step of faith. It'll be scary. The enemy will try to convince you otherwise. But yeah. it's just one of those chapters that God has used so divinely and sovereignly in people's lives o over the years many, many times to sort of force a change in direction in their lives. We men especially, you know, we like to, to stay in our lane. Uh, and sometimes God wants us out of our lane, uh, and uh, and I think that chapter uh, will help you. So um, um, read read about the uh, story of Jacob, uh, his uh, separation from Laban, and when Laban's uh, brothers um, um, or Laban's sons were starting to treat him with um, jealousy and disrespect. Uh, it was one of those um, come-to-Jesus moments that Jacob needed to have. So try that one, and then we will see if that... Um, I'm, I'm looking at 37 now, and I, I'm, I'm not seeing very well today, Matthew, so it's not that. But, it, but, it, but it's, it's the chapter where Jacob and, uh, is... is uh, uh, Separating the flocks, he's trying to get his own flocks, and the, and the, the, the goats all come out with speckled. Thirty? 30? You're telling me thirty now? So it's it's in there. So find it. I just can't see well enough to find it right now. Thank you, Matthew. Yeah, it's interesting. I just studied it a couple of days ago. So all right, yeah, okay. I, yeah. I'm going to look at it again. Then thank you. Um, I I I think when you were studying it, when you were reading it, it was the Lord sort of starting to knock at the door of your heart. Let me know. Oh, Check back in with us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thank you, man. Right, thank you. Uh, God bless. 340-9585. Uh, radio listener from Denver, obviously listening online. Um, 
I was right the first time, 31. No, no, it's no. still 30. Oh, still 30. It is 30. Thank you, Matthew. Here is a question from sometimes not being able to see is a real pain in the neck. Uh, Devin says, ooh, this is a tough question. Why is it that churches seem to focus on one man, the preacher, and the rest of the church just, just listens? Don't you think we are all equal in the body of Christ? Devin, we are definitely all equal in the body of Christ, but here's the problem. We all have different roles. Ephesians chapter 4 says that God gave pastors, among other things, as a gift to the church. So the man who is gifted to preach or the man who is gifted to teach is there to help equip you to do the work of ministry. And from the very beginning of time, when you go all the way back to Noah, one man was called by God. That man preached, he taught, he exampled, and then others would follow. Now, Noah wasn't very successful in having other people following him. But the idea is that God always works through a man, gives him a vision, gifts him to do the work, and then that man teaches. Bible teachers are really, really important, especially in an era, Devin, where we uh, don't have many churches left that teach the Bible. we got people that preach the Bible and they tell stories about the Bible. But the verse-by-verse -verse exposition of the scriptures is what people need so desperately. It's the only way we can send them out. It's sort of be like uh, trying to send a new quarterback into a game without a playbook. Well, when we don't know what the Bible says, then we're ill-equipped to do the work that God wants us to do. We're ill-equipped to, to, to face the, the, the trials and the storms of life that are going to come. You know, for our church, Devin, if, if I just told stories and made people feel good, they would leave here every Sunday saying, you know that Pastor Ron, he's a good guy, and boy, he's really teaching a good message. But the problem is that they wouldn't be prepared when tragedy hit or when trials come into their lives. So that's why we listen to one man, and preaching has been God's method from the beginning. You know, Devin, for about the last, I'm going to guess, 10 to 12 years, um, all of the church growth experts, and they're really not experts at all, but the self-proclaimed church growth experts, um, they have been trying to push an agenda that man only has about a 20-minute maximum attention span. I keep saying, well, we're not giving TED Talks, we're teaching the Bible. Um, uh, the most ineffective form of communication, and they always have statistics to back this up, they say, is lecture style. So what we should do is put people in a circle instead of having to sit and look at a pastor and have exchanges and interchange of ideas. But that's not what God said to do. God said to preach the message. And that's why we do what we do, and that's the way it's supposed to be. We're all equal in the body of Christ. We're a royal priesthood, a, a called-out people for sure, but we all of us have different roles. One of the great things about what we do here at Calvary Chapel, Devon, is that that um, we've, we've planted, I think, 29 churches uh, in our 23 and a half years. And... Um, that means that, that there's a whole bunch of men who sat under my teaching, who while I was teaching, God was calling them into the ministry and, and their wives. Uh, we've got, I, I think Paula's group of lady teachers is about eight. We've got another uh, women's Bible study where they, I think they have a rotation of, of three different ladies. Um, they all sat under my teaching listening to the Word of God, and the Holy Spirit would knock on the door of their heart and call them to fulfill their role. So we're all equal, but we all have different roles. And um, that's why the church focuses on the preaching of the Word, and thus the preacher. Romans chapter 12, verses 5 through 7, you can read 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12 uh, as well, when it talks about the gifts. 
me see if we've got somebody here online. Um, nope. Let's go to the next question. This is from Mary. She says, uh, Pastor Ron, I've seen books about people going to heaven and some about people going to hell uh, and seeing things that convinced them or scared them uh, that Jesus was real. Can I have your opinion, please? Uh, Mary, those books are of no value at all. Um, there's only one book that has any authority about people going to heaven or hell, and that's your Bible. Um, the one man that we know for sure uh, was allowed to go to heaven and return, said that God doesn't permit him to to tell the things that he's seen. So that's our model. And um, the books that um, proclaimed visits to heaven or visits to I think it was a Mary, Mary Kay Baxter, I think the, the, her name was, um, um, Divine Inspiration of Hell or Divine Something of Hell. Uh, and it was a real popular book maybe 20 years ago. Uh, and people getting it, they're getting scared. Um, there's another book by John Mickelson. She was a daughter-in-law of, of, of Hal Lindsey uh, called uh, uh, the, the Beautiful Side of Evil. Um, but you can just throw out all those books and discount them. It wasn't too many years ago, and I've had some questions about this book uh, on, on the radio program over the years. Uh, but there was a little boy who went to heaven, um, and uh, he came back, and his parents said, "Yeah, but he was—he knew things that he shouldn't know." And uh, the, the book was a runaway success in the church. It was uh, made into a movie, uh, and after all of that, after they made money on it, um, the little boy grew up a little bit and confessed to making it all up with the help of his dad. So these are these are kinds of things that we can avoid if we just understand the scriptures. Mary, do your best to avoid those kind of books and discussions. Um, boy, this is a day people want to ask me tough questions. Here's a question from Samuel. What is your biggest failure as a pastor? Wow, there are so many of them, Samuel. I don't I don't really know. Um my biggest failure. I, I really don't know. Uh, I, I'm not being coy. I'm not trying to avoid the question. I really don't know. I'll tell you the thing that, that um, um, God pierced my heart the deepest about. And it seems like a minor thing in retrospect with all the things that we've been through. Um, but uh, we were going through a period of time where we were having some really, really bad audio problems, sound problems. And I don't understand technical stuff, and, and I just think, you know, it's so easy, plug it in, turn it on, do it. And we went through a period of time where it seems like for, I don't know, four or five weeks in a row, where we we're just, our, our services were being interrupted because things would stop working, and, and um, uh, I didn't say anything. But I looked at the people in the sound crew one, one time from the pulpit, I looked at them, uh, and they they could tell I was angry, and I never again I never said anything, but um, I talked to them a couple days later, and uh, I, I, I I hurt their feelings so bad, and boy did I ever have to repent. These are people that God loves, and for me to to be angry at them that that's just a horrible thing so that that pierced my heart that was just like god saying these are people i love these are people who are serving you and for me to to become impatient with them and fortunately it didn't last and i didn't embarrass myself in front of everybody but i knew it god knew it and i think those people back at the at the uh um, sound booth knew it as well so that was just one of those things but in terms of biggest failures <clears throat> I'm not sure <laughs> my, my producer just sent me a, a, a note said uh, uh, hiring a, a, an announcer who thinks he's funny um, yeah that was the biggest mistake but or a big failure but um, he's trying to be funny still <laughs> Uh, Sam, again, I'm not trying to be coy. That's just, uh, I, I haven't had any huge doctrinal errors. I haven't been guilty of false teaching. Um, I haven't sinned and, and disappointed my wife or my church or my Jesus. So um, um, I, I really don't know. I, I think if we, 
live in the proper humility, we're going to fail so often that we receive the forgiveness of God and we move on. And God forgives and forgets, and I think maybe my mind is selectively forgetting as well. But uh, just know, uh, Samuel, that there's been a lot of failures. Um, I hope no huge ones, but um, that's really the best I can do with that question. Here is a question from Jerry. He wants to know, how is it possible that Adam and Eve didn't know they were naked before they sinned? Jerry, you must have been listening to the show last week. Um, uh, it, it, the, the reason they didn't know they were naked before they sinned is because there was no other condition to be in. God told them not to eat of the fruit. They, 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 they walked with God in the garden. Uh, th their, their presence would have been surrounded by the glory of God. So there would be nothing to be ashamed of. There would be nothing that they need to be self-conscious about. It was just, um, it was just life as they knew it. Um, but once they sinned and the glory departed, the Hebrew term is Ichabod, when the glory departs, they knew they were naked and they were ashamed. And because they were ashamed, um, they knew the cause and effect. They knew the consequence they were living through. So that's how they knew they were naked. And God told them, you know, why are you hiding? Well, we're naked. And um, when well, you ate from the fruit of the tree that I told you not to touch, not to eat from. And uh, they confessed, and that was the thing. You know what's interesting, Jerry? Um, their, their nakedness before the sin was beauty. The glory of God was there. But when they sinned, they were trying to cover their nakedness, their private parts, with a fig leaf. I always tell the church when I teach that story, Paul and I, we have a, a fig leaf, a fig tree rather, in our backyard. Somebody bought us a fig tree a long time ago. I said, I've never seen a fig tree. And somebody came and planted one, and, and now it's pretty big. Well, those leaves aren't comfortable. This shows you the insanity of sin. Um, they were covering themselves up with a fig leaf. And of course, God didn't let that go. The next time we encountered them, they're wearing the furs of animals. And I want you to think for a moment, Jerry, about that. Because what it means is the very first death was at Adam's own hand. Can you imagine how traumatic that must have been in a perfect environment? Can you imagine how traumatic that must have been? Let's go to Ray on line two from San Antonio. Ray, thanks for holding. You're on the air. Hello? Yes. Oh. Ray, if you turn the radio down. Hi, sir. I thought so wrong. How are you going? Oh, good, Ray. Thanks. All right. All right. Wait. Yeah. Got it. Uh, okay. Yes, Pastor. I got I got a question. Uh, two questions. Uh, the first one is uh, you maybe can um, go a little deeper. There was a brother who called like a week ago. I think that his name was Brother Glenn, and he asked about about Jesus in the uh, reincarnation age after after he died. He went to uh, a city so she uh, and uh, the, he asked you if he brought some souls from there, right? Uh, uh, the only gospel, you can ample, uh, you know, go a little deeper on that, please. Uh, the only gospel that mentioned that, uh, that other souls came up is the gospel of Matthew, I think the chapter 26, 27. And it shows that other souls in the same day that we, that Jesus was uh, reincarnated, uh, they came up to, and they were uh, they were identified by family members too. Uh, then, uh, you can go deeper on that one. And my next question is: uh, when when Cain killed Abel, and and Yahweh put the field so nobody can kill him. And explain that, uh, after that, explain that he uh, came, got married too, I think. Uh, there were, there were other people, there were other humans or people living, uh, uh, you know, not in Eden, just in Earth, 
Uh, explain. I gotta. Add, I used to have a Bible. I lost it. That explained that they call it village, village of poblados. Uh, maybe you have heard something about it. But about Cain getting the field too, uh, so nobody killed him. So it means that some, there were some other people. Thank you very much, and thank you for your okay. hunting. <clears throat> Thank you, Ray. I can do that. Uh, with regard to the second question, Ray, um, we've only got two minutes, so I'm going to do this pretty quickly. Um, uh, there's, there's no mention of, uh, of any village like that in Scripture. Um, there are some um, old traditions and some heresies that have always surrounded um, the idea of Cain and, and, and creation. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, so, I, so I don't think that that's the case. Uh, there, there would have been plenty of other people. Uh, Cain and Abel at the time of, of Abel's murder, um, you know, they, they could have been, uh, most uh, commentators think they were around uh, over 100 years old. Um, the, the, the command to be fruitful and multiply, once the, they were banished from the Garden of Eden, uh, people would have scattered. So, so there would have been cousins and sisters. And remember, before the fall, that wasn't a sin. Um, the only way you can multiply is to have sex and have children. And that was simply the way God did it. So there were plenty of other people in a near-perfect world. Uh, so uh, it would have been no, no difficulty at all for him to... Uh, find a, a wife, and in many cases in the pagan world, they go for it. The other question, it's not in the gospel, it's First Peter chapter 3, verse 19. That's when Jesus went uh, into to Hades and preached to the spirits in prison, not the gospels, First Peter chapter 3. Thank you, Ray. Hey, thanks for tuning in today. You've been listening to The Word to Stand On for Life. Lord willing, I'll be back tomorrow at 4 o'clock on AM 630. Wouldn't guess what? Paul will be with me. We'll see you then. Thanks for spending this time with Calvary Chapel's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The Word to Stand On for Life is on every weekday afternoon at 4, and Pastor Ron invites you to find out more about Calvary Chapel at calvarysa.com. The Word to Stand On for Life was sponsored by Calvary Chapel of San Antonio. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.